Good morning. I don't know this past uh, this past few weeks. I just feel that God's laying on upon me especially a burden for this nation. Because when we look out on our nation of Scotland, it is in such a dark place that people need to see the glory of God once again in Scotland. That people need to see something of a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. And we need to see a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on our nation. I remember standing on, on Saxiford in 2006. There's a, Saxiford is the last hill in Scotland if you're going up the way. <laughs> it's the first hill in Scotland if you're coming down the way. But I remember standing in Saxiford in the island of Unst. Uh, has anyone been in Unst? Anyone stood in Unst? No, Unst is the, the most northerly island uh, in the Shetlands. And I remember standing on uh, that last hill in Scotland, the wind was blowing a gale. And uh, I was looking for a place in which to start a 50-day prayer walk drive down through Scotland. And I was looking for a place to start. I knew it had to start up in the Shetlands. And so I was up in Shetland and I was up in Unst and uh, I was met by two ladies and uh, uh, two dear friends of mine and they took me in their jeep up to the most northern church in Scotland and they said, this is probably where you want to start uh, your 50 day prayer walk. And I said, mm, didn't feel any rise in my spirit at all. They took me to different places in, in, in Unst and, uh, uh, and this time though, there was a gale blowing as only happens in Shetland. That's why there are no trees in Shetland much because there's that, such a, a high wind blowing across Shetland. And they took me up this hill called Saxiford. And... Uh, uh, she had to turn the jeep round because if she had opened the doors on the way she was facing, it had taken the door right off. It was so high the wind and so uh, and so blowing a gale. And uh, I got out, and I'm not a lightweight as you can see, uh, but I was getting blown across that that, hill, that mountain top, that hill top. But I just wanted to praise God. I just wanted to to just praise God because I felt yeah. And I I just lifted my arms and I, if anyone looked on this this daft guy on, on the top of that mountain with his hand raised and, and getting blown across over the place, but God, I was just praising God and worshiping God. And as I turned to walk away back to the car, very audibly in my spirit a voice says, Bert, you think you've stood at the top of Scotland today? I want to tell you, you've stood at the gate of heaven. And the presence of God just fell on me on that mountain top. And I started to weep. And God started in my life at that time a real heaviness for the nation of Scotland. And I... I I feel like weeping this morning because driving through the road and looking at all the communities on, on either side of the motorway and we see a people who have no thought of God we see a people who are not interested in God uh, and we know the reason why because the greatest revival that's taking place in Scotland today belongs to Satan he's capturing more and more and more deeply, the people, the government, the institutions and the, the universities of our nation are getting 
taken into his grasp more and more. It's like what Isaiah said that it's coming in like a flood. There is evil in our nation that's coming in like a flood. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can raise the banner that can stop and put a stay on this flood of evil that's coming into our nation. I was going to preach in Larbert about, uh, about two Sundays ago, or three Sundays ago, and as I went to my desk uh, uh, at half past eight on that uh, sort of Sunday morning, just to sit down and say, God, where are you going to take us today? What, you know, what is, the, is the direction you want to go this morning? And I said, God, as I looked out my office window, I saw a lost world. I saw a lost nation. I saw a nation that once was known as Bible-loving Scotland. And I saw how far it had departed from that. And I cried to God, God, what is it that we can do? What is it that, that we can do that can turn the tide? What is it we can do that, we, that allows us to reach into the lives of communities? What is it we can do that we can reach into the lives of, 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 of towns and cities? And the Holy Spirit gave me that morning three keys. You know, I think I've said here before that many people have many words to describe revival. But I have only one word. And that is God. Unless God comes and moves in amongst his people, there is no hope for our nation. God needs to come and move in a mighty way, an outpouring of his Holy Spirit on his people. In order that we might reach into our communities and touch me. said, the three keys are my presence, God's presence. My power, God's, God's power, working through my people, God's people. And the three keys were, and that morning I went and I spoke in Larbert, I was only supposed to be there for one morning, I ended up doing three, because they wanted to know the keys, I've not reached the third one yet. So I'm going back in October to give them the third key that we can reach into this nation of Scotland. How many of our hearts break when we think of the state of our nation? When we see the laws that our government are about to pass and make legal things, it's like Scotland is shaking their fist at God. But the laws that are being passed in our nation that depart from the... And even the national church does not stand up and say No. It's as if we're shaking our fist at God and saying, we, we read your word, but uh, we're going to go our own way. Every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. And we need to come back to a sense that God is able, our God is so big. He's so strong and he's so mighty. It's not a children's song, that. that's a song for the church today. Our God is, there's nothing too hard for our God to do. There is nothing that he cannot do. And if you want to see the heart of this nation turn back to God, he needs a people to work through. He needs a people who get a heart for his heart. Not long to see our nation once again turning its, its, its face towards God. We are a covenant nation. Scotland is one of the few nations that have ever made a covenant with God. And yet how far has it gone? How dark has it got? Even the, 
they elected the government of our nation is about to pass laws they've not passed them yet and there's an opportunity for God's people to rise up and say enough is enough there is time for God's people to take a stand and to come out and to take a stand and say no this is what God says this is what the Bible says this is the standard that we want back in our nation where the tail does not wag the dog you know the people of God have become the tail in our nation Zechariah said that that's how it would be that the people of God would become the tail rather than the head and I believe it's time that we need to, t- to turn and to change that the people of God's voice is heard with a clarity because I want to tell you the people out there are longing to hear truth there's no direction in which we to go the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire Nehemiah when he asked about the people and the nation of Israel when he was in Babylon and they said oh the people are in disgrace the nation is, is, is broken the walls are broken down there's no boundaries the gates are burned with fire therefore there are things that are coming in and out with a nation that we have no control over and we could say the same about Scotland we could say the same about Moodysburn this morning what is the state of Moodysburn in the whole it looks good on the surface all these new houses being built but people's hearts are lost the people's lives are, are, are ruined because of a satanic revival that's taking place in Moodysburn And it's time that God's people said enough is enough. And to just bring the heart of this community back to God. But it's only God. And an outpouring of his spirit. That can touch and change a nation. uh, I'll get to the scriptures. I will get to the scriptures. And uh, I, I, I just wanted to read this. You know I'm a great, uh, uh, Duncan Campbell is a, is a great hero of mine in the faith and I just love reading about revival, love researching revival. In fact I was reading a book uh, that I managed to get uh, uh, on, uh, from one of the sites and it was, uh, it was published in 1880. And it's a book about revival and the things that I'm speaking about this morning were still the things that they were crying out for in 1880. In our nation, this old this old minister was writing about the state of his church and the apathy and the, the ease they were at, where the nation round about was was dying and going to hell. You know, we've got a wonderful opportunity as the people of God to do something. You know, we have got this amazing opportunity that we are in touch with heaven. And we're filled with the power of God, His Holy Spirit, that we can actually do something that can change the heart of this community that can change the heart of this nation this is Duncan Campbell arriving in Barvis for the first time anyone here stood in Barvis? I've had the privilege of standing in Barvis Ulysses and Arnold and Duncan Campbell was asked to come across to speak and he had other engagements and he couldn't come but two old ladies were praying and some young men were in a barn praying you know Five young men prayed for nine months that God would move in, in their community and never got an inkling of an answer. Until one night, one young, young man prayed, Psalm 24, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? 
And at that moment, there was something broke over Barvis and over Arnold. And two ladies in a, in a cottage were praying the same thing, one blind and one lame. And yet they were praying that God would touch their community. And Duncan Campbell wrote back and said they couldn't come with other engagements, but God had other plans and, and, and these other arrangements got cancelled. And this is what it says. The first meeting was held in the old parish church. Now, uh, if you stand there, it stands. It's quite a bleak church. It just stands out on its own. The first meeting was held in the old parish church. Many, many people had gathered with a great expectancy. You know, I long for the people of God to have an expectancy again. To have a sense of, yeah, God's going to do something. God's going to move in our nation. God's going to move in our fellowship. God's going to move in our communities. And we have this rise of expectation. And here they they come with great expectation of a great moving of God. But strangely enough, nothing happened. It was just an ordinary service. Seeing the disappointment upon the preacher's face, one of the praying deacons came to him and says, Don't be discouraged, he says. It's coming. (laughs) I already hear the rumbling of heaven's chariot wheels. Imagine that. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Don't be discouraged. It's coming. I already hear heaven's chariot wheels. The rumbling of heaven's chariot wheels. We will have another night of prayer and then we'll see what God is going to do. Another night of prayer, you know. And so they went over to a nearby cottage and about about 30 knelt in prayer and began to travel before the Lord. Three o'clock in the morning they were still praying. God swept in and about a dozen were laid prostrate upon the floor and lay there speechless. Something had happened. God had moved into action as he promised. Revival had come. And men and women were going to find deliverance. And as they left the cottage that morning, three o'clock in the morning, they found men and women uh, seeking God in the village in which they were. Lights were on in every house. Men were lying on the roadside because they didn't know what was wrong, but they felt a presence of God. And they were lying on the road crying out for mercy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you walked down the streets of Buddhist and people were, on the, were kneeling at the side of the road looking for God. You know, this isn't taking place in China. This is not taking place in Argentina. This is taking place a few hundred miles up through our nation. God has come and God has touched the people. No one seemed to think of sleep. Three men were found lying by the roadside in the torment of conviction, crying for God to have mercy upon them. The Spirit of God was moving into action, and soon the parish of Barvis was to be stirred from end to end. The first night was ordinary. They got before God and they prayed until three o'clock in the morning until they felt that God had come. These are wonderful prayer times, you know. I was in a prayer meeting on, 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 on Friday night. And uh, if I, I don't know if any of have, have been at Jumping Jacks, but uh, I had the privilege of going through to Jumping Jacks in Mary Hill Road on Friday night. And uh, the guy who leads it said, come on, let's go through and we'll pray. And so I don't know, about eight of us went through. I was there with my dear friend Hugh, we went through and we, we, we speed through this door. There was no lights and the smell of dampness and and. and, and and so dankness and we, we couldn't see if we were going it was like the blind leading the blind and until we got up there back in a small room and we're told to sit down I couldn't even see the seats because it was so dark so I didn't know what we were sitting on and I didn't know what my feet was on 
because there was no lights and we started to pray and I want to tell you the presence of God just fell in that prayer meeting and I was so refreshed to hear prayers going up that were crying out to God to move amongst the lives of the community in Mary Hill God moves in answer to agonizing prayer we're going to touch that this morning a wee bit I just feel that God wants to say this to you this morning he wants to give you hope this morning encourage you this morning that to touch a community like Munisburn isn't too hard for him and to see hundreds swept into the kingdom it's not too hard for him but it needs a people who know what it is to be anguished in prayer if you've got access to the internet go on and and Google David Wilkerson in anguish. And you'll be touched by that. It's about seven minutes long where he speaks about anguish and prayer by the people of God in order for God's people to move and to see something coming. On the second night, ordinary service, prevailing prayer. On the second night, will never be forgotten by those who were privileged to attend so buses came from the four corners of the island crowding the church so seven men were being driven to the meeting in a butcher's truck when suddenly the spirit of God fell upon them in great, in great conviction all were converted before they even reached the meeting <laughs> you see that's what happens when God comes As the preacher delivered his message, tremendous conviction of sin swept down upon the people. Tears rolled down the faces of the people. The people and from every part of the building came cries of men and women crying for mercy. So deep was the distress of some that their voices could be heard outside in the road. And a young man beneath the pulpit cried, Oh God, hell is too good for me. You see, when God comes, he comes in righteousness and he comes in holiness and he touches people's lives. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes it will convict the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment to come. And we long to see a move of God like that in our community. Amen? Amen. You can speak back to me, you know. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We'll just long to see a move of God like that in our communities. The meeting closed when the people began to move out. As the last person was about to leave, a young man began to pray under a tremendous burden of intercession. He prayed for three quarters of an hour. I've heard people praying for three quarters of an hour and you wish they would sit down sometimes because it's just, it just, it just the flesh. <coughs> but when you hear a person praying in the spirit and praying uh, real agonizing, prevailing prayer, you know that this is real. And this young man stood up and he prayed for three quarters of an hour. Uh, and as he prayed, the people kept gathering. Instead of them going out of the church, they all turned and came back in again. And this man's praying for an intercession. When the young man had stopped praying, the elder gave out the Psalm 132. As this great congregation sang the old hymn, the people streamed back into the church again. There was twice as many in the church, squeezed in, uh, in the church, and also outside the church. And the meeting went on at 4 o'clock in the morning. The moment people took their seats, the Spirit of God... An awful, uh, an awful conviction began to sweep through the church and hardened the so sinners began to weep and confess their sin. And just as the meeting was closing, 
A messenger hurried up to the preacher, very excited. Come with me. There's a crowd of people outside the police station and they are weeping with awful distress. We do not know what's wrong with them and they are calling for someone to come and pray with them. It's a sight I'll never thought was possible. Something I shall never forget. Under the starlit sky, men and women were kneeling everywhere by the roadside, outside the cottages, even behind the peat stacks, crying for God, for mercy. And nearly 600 of them had made their way that night from all the island into Barvas. I don't know what, what a story like that does to you. But I'll tell you what it does to me. It kindles in me such a desire to see that happening once again in our nation. To see our communities touched. To see the church of Jesus Christ touched again. To see it renewed and restored. To see it moving in the power of the Spirit of God. To see it grasping hold of heaven. We have such a privilege of being in touch with heaven. That's a tremendous privilege, dear saints of God this morning. That's a tremendous privilege that you and I can be or are in touch with heaven. You know, men out there, they think they're, they're great if they're in touch with so-and-so and this and that. But we're in touch with the sovereign God. We can enter into his presence and we can speak with him and we can ask him and he can move because we read last week, uh, last time we hear Isaiah 64, that God is the God who acts on behalf of those that wait upon him. Uh, and I just feel there's a challenge in my heart this morning, and that's why I'm sharing this. I just sense there's a, a challenge in my heart this morning. And I pray that God. I'm hearing right to pass this on to you to ask you to ask God for the ability to weep if our moodies burn. To wait before God in agonizing prayer and not rising from your knees until you have that breakthrough from God. Isaiah 64 says, It's all that you would render heavens and that you would come down and that mountains would flow before you and that your name would be known to your enemies. There is no mountain in Moodisburn that our God cannot move. There is no mountain in Moodisburn that our God cannot move. Because we're saying this morning about He is the Creator God. He's the God who made the mountains. And if He is the God who made the mountains, man has made other mountains that separate Him from God. And God can come down and He can move the mountain. Our God, that, that's a wonderful song, that, isn't it? I don't think we sang that this morning, did we? Our God can move the mountains. Did you sing that one here? No, we didn't, no. No, but you sing that one here, don't you? I think, I think you sang it one morning we're here. Yeah. Our God can move the mountains. He is mighty to save. You know, we're in touch with a God who is mighty to save. <laughs> we're, in a God, we're in touch with a God who can touch communities completely. We're in touch with a God who is able to act on behalf of those who wait agonizing prayer before him. 
And there's only one thing that will touch Woody's burn out there. It's when there's a presence of God comes down and dwells over the community. Because that's what happened in Scotland before. The presence of God came down and dwelt over the community. That there was no idle talk. The dance halls were empty. The bars were empty. In fact, there were grown men running away from God because they didn't want to be touched by what was happening. And they took to the hills, they took to different places, but God sought them out and found them. And praise God, He saved them. You know, I get excited about this because it's happened in our nation, and I want to see that again, amen? To see God just moving in mighty power. And you and I are in touch with heaven this morning. You and I are able to kneel. When was that prayer answered? When was Isaiah's prayer answered? And I want to come back and do a wee bit of teaching now. But I, I, here's another wee story just before I, I, I go on. What time is it? I lost the clock. Is there a clock in here? Well, it's a good church, I say, isn't it? I love churches without clocks. 1904-1905 a young man called Evan Roberts he was 26 years old and he obtained a permission to leave the college to return to his home village of Lohar to preach his first sermon he was 26 he was, he, he, he was it I take it, it was Bible college he had never preached a sermon in his life but the Holy Spirit had just impressed on him that he needed to go back to his home village and preach this one particular sermon. So he asked, he asked permission if he could go. And it was, it was granted. And so he went through to his home village and that night he preached to 17 people. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, <laughs> 17, 18, 19. There's 19 people here this morning. He preached to 17 people. Now this is a guy who's never preached in his life before. This is a guy who, who's at college and asked to come back to preach this sermon. And it was a four point sermon. And this is what his four points were. Confess any known sin to God. And put away any wrongdoing to others. That was his first point. His second point was this. Put away any doubtful habits. His third point was obey the Holy Spirit promptly. And his fourth point was confess faith in Christ openly. You might say, oh, that's, that's a kind of hard opening sermon for you. A man that has never preached before. But he preached it faithfully. No one could have predicted the nationwide impact that that event, event would have. Edwin Orr, who writes about revival, says this, within three months of that being preached by a, a, a novice preacher, within three months, 100,000 souls had been added to the kingdom in Wales. Come on. Shout out hallelujah. <laughs> within three months, 100,000 people had been added to the kingdom in Wales. <laughs> That's about the same as the population of this central belt of Scotland, I would imagine. It's clean Glasgow, but across the central belt, all these towns and villages, 
I would think that would make up about 100,000. Imagine all these people being added to the kingdom of God because of one man who heard from God and preached a sermon. Oh, that we preached that sermon today. Oh, that the church could hear a, a four-point sermon like that today. And within a three months, 100,000 people had been added to the kingdom of God. I just feel, just feel the Holy Spirit saying to change tank just a wee bit just now. And not to go down the route I thought it was going down. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. I love when the Holy Spirit does that, you know. I love when he just uh, wants his word spoken and not mine. Amen. Just to know his power. Father, we just pray that as we look at these verses very briefly this morning that we'd know something or be touched by your presence. I want to say this morning the presence of God is an awesome thing. And when the Holy, when the Holy Spirit sweeps through a congregation, it's an awesome thing. I think I've only experienced it twice where nothing else could take place. Because God has stepped out of heaven. They long to be in here some days and you can't do anything because God has come. Because when the presence of God falls, it is awesome. Nehemiah, in the month of chapter 1, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, where I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brethren, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile under Mike in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem, or the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven I feel I want to reread that again and change the words a wee bit okay and as you read it I want you to change the words okay I want to I want you as you're reading it to put in Moodysburn this morning okay I just want you to to, to, to just uh, and, and you've asked about Moodysburn or, or, or someone asked about Moodysburn uh, in the spiritual sense the walls in Moodysburn have been broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. What is your reaction to that this morning? Because you know that the walls in Moodysburn, not the brick walls, but the boundary walls have been broken down. There's, there's no boundaries out there now. Everything is okay to do as long as you believe in it. And the gates have been burned with fire. There's anything can come in. And God is calling for gatekeepers this morning. God is calling for gatekeepers and watchmen. When we did the 50 days and uh, it was all passed and it was all... I never got closure on it. I never ever got closure on why 
uh, I travelled Scotland for 52 days had amazing experiences that would take two three meetings alone just amazing experiences with, with, with God's people and with God but I never got closure I never had a sense that yeah this is why you did it I knew it was God and I knew it was God because he opened up all the doors and and about in 2009 I took a year off to get two knees done to, to get two brand new knees put in I'd love to tell you that, that we're worn out with prayer but that would be that was, that's not true but uh, I had to get two knees I think that, that 50 day walk really it destroyed my knees and my friend Jim Black who is known to a few years here asked me to, to in, in, in the January she knew I was taking a year off but she said would you come and do a paper Scotland conference in Aloha and I said, yeah, I, I, I would do it as a... Because she asked me. And I remember looking down through some scriptures. And the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me at one particular point. He said, I'm, go, I'm going to show you now why you did the 52 days. And I got excited about that. You know, I got excited about that. The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to show you now why you did the 52 This was two years after it. And I was reading, here's my Bible, I was reading Nehemiah chapter 4, or chapter 6 it was, and verse 15, because Nehemiah was the answer to his own prayer, and we'll come back to that. I hope you're prepared to be the answer to the prayers that you put up about Moody's burn. If you're praying deep prayers for the people of Moody's burn, I hope you're prepared to be the answer to the prayer. Because Nehemiah became the answer to his prayer. But in chapter 6 it says this in verse number 15. So the walls were completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. And the Holy Spirit said to me, when you were doing that time around Scotland, amongst my people, you were repairing gates, uh, repairing walls, or rebuilding walls and repairing gates. And I said, oh, thank you, Lord. And I got closure on that. That's what the Lord said. The 52 prayer walk was a walk around Scotland in order to repair the walls and rehind the gates in our nation amongst his people. And there's so many things that have come out of these 52 days that are still active today. God is moving out from these times of prayer and lay-bys and bus shelters. I remember going round a housing estate to get to a bus shelter to pray for three, to pray with three old men who have been praying for their community for years and were standing waiting for me in a bus shelter. We had the most amazing prayer meeting in a bus shelter. And God has touched that community because of the faithfulness of praying of three old men. And I'll tell you, I don't know if you've ever had a prayer meeting in a bus shelter before. It's quite an experience because there's other people passing by. And they're seeing this group of people in a bus shelter, raising their hands to God and praying. But God was answering prayer. What about the gates and walls in Moonesburn? What effect is it having on your life this morning as the people of God who are in touch with heaven, who are the agents through which God can work in order to turn the heart of this community back to God? How do you feel this morning when you read about gates that are, that are, are, that are unhung and walls that are broken down? Nehemiah prayed. He saw a need. 
he heard about a need in Jerusalem and he fasted and he wept and he prayed and he mourned this is a challenge to us this morning it's a challenge to us about weeping about mourning about fasting and about praying and about God using you in order to go out and rebuild the walls and repair the gates and I believe what God is calling this morning and I'm just going to stop now because I believe I've brought you a bit of the heart of God this morning I pray that's what it's been this morning I believe what God is calling for Moodysburn this morning is watchmen and gatekeepers watchmen who will stand in the midst of the village and watch and gatekeepers who will stand at the gates and pray see watchmen in Israel's day were very important because they, got the, they were the ones who got the first sight of the enemy and I believe what God's calling for Moodysburn this morning is people who are, who are, are looked upon as watchmen who can watch over the community and see what the enemy is doing because the enemy is a foot out there and if you want to have revival you're going to have a face to face battle with the enemy and you've got to be prepared for that because if you try to win the heart of this community you'll enter into a battle a huge battle because Satan won't let Moodysburn be free if he can help it but he's asking his people to come alongside with him the, the God who is mighty who is strong and is able and is asking for watchmen who will stand on the walls and watch over the community and ask and see what the enemy is doing and is also calling for gatekeepers who can stand at the gates of the village and have control of what comes in and what goes out of the village and I believe when that happens you'll see a breakthrough in this community watchmen gatekeepers and when you put watchmen on the walls and gatekeepers at the gates then you start to work with God in order to turn the heart of this community back to him this has been a heavy message this morning this has been heavier in my heart this morning from the minute I stood up here I felt such a heaviness but I felt that this was what God was saying this morning and as you know I don't come and give any sermons I just believe I speak what the heart of God is saying and I ask you that you'll accept that this morning is not from coming from Bert McKay but from coming from the heart of God that he longs to see Moodysburn being touched and changed for his glory and you guys have an amazing opportunity but the two words I want to leave with you this morning there's a need out there Nehemiah saw the need of the, of, of the nation he saw the need of his community and he wept and he mourned and he fasted and he prayed and if you get a sense of the deep need that God has for this community and if you can capture something for the heart of God what he feels for this community ask him for it God how do you feel about Moodysburn what, what's on your heart for Moodysburn as you fast and mourn and pray and weep over this community you will see God starting to work because it's a broken heart and a contrite spirit that God loves to work with and work through 
watchmen on the walls and gatekeepers at the gate will help to rebuild the walls and rehind the gates that God can touch a community for his glory. Amen.